Hello everyone, this is Jarle from Norwegian band Vride and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another new edition of Interview Under Fire. This is your host, Sonny. This time, along with Jarlik Vale, also known as Val. Quite the honor. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. You know, Jarlik, this is an important yet exciting time coming up here in the month of April for you and the rest of the guys over at Vride with the release of your ninth studio album, Wild Northwest, uh, which drops April 30th on Season of Mist Records, along with the companion film as well, which we'll touch on that a little bit later. And I just want to say congratulations on all the well-deserved reactions it's been getting so far, especially with the singles, the title track, Mild Northwest, and The Morning Red. There's just so much to discover about this unique release. But before we get to that, I know we were talking about it pre-interview. I'm going to ask a very important question to start things off. How are you, man? I think it's an important one to ask, considering what's been happening in the last year. You're in Norway. You know, How's life out there right now? How have you been? Well, first of all, thanks for this great introduction, and uh, yeah, it's okay. I can't complain. You know, <clears throat> Norway has been quite lucky so far with the whole pandemic, and uh, there's so many countries so much worse off. So it's been, it's been, you know, weird, strange, and everything. But we've been so focused on working with the album and the movie and everything. So here we are now, ready for release, and you know, hopefully the year will continue to get better and open up more and more. Yeah, and I know everything's like kind of upside down on its head, like here in the States, like everything's kind of just going back and forth, so much misinformation, but making the best of the situation is what we have to do. And, you know, life as of late, Yarla, you know, many of us have also been away from the stage a lot, you know, fans and musicians alike, but how are you keeping up your vocals, your bass playing, your instrumentals these days? Is that affecting your musicianship? Has anything changed for your routine wise lately, if at all? Uh, well, uh, to be honest, I haven't really rehearsed that much. <laughs> it's like uh, you've been playing for a long time. I think I think you're okay as far as that is. Concerned. Yeah, it's like for me, that's not you know. Of course, we have to rehearse so we are able to perform what we should do. But for me, it's much more important to kind of work on the creative part of things. You know, and whenever it's close to doing a shows again, we have to rehearse like hell. That's the way we do it. You know, it's like right. For me, it's kind of uh, when you have this off time and you don't know when it ends, it's much more important to try and you channelize your energy into creating something, you know, because if I'm just sitting around playing bass guitar or whatever, uh, for me, that would get very boring. boring. Uh, so I need something kind of like uh, we're going to create something. So yeah, for me, me, that's been the important thing to do in this period. Speaking of something that's not boring, and you've been at this for about three decades, maybe even longer than that. You can, we can talk about how Wright started through the ashes of Vindir in 2004, but this traces back to 1994, you know? You've also been with bands like Ulkos Mole. And, uh, you know, I want to ask, how was the touring life for you personally? Because you've done some extensive touring throughout your career. You've played through Europe, North America, Japan, India, more than 500 shows in 25 countries so far. And now we've all just been taking in unexpected step back and does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life oh yes absolutely <clears throat> i've always had a big appreciation of it i never expected as a teenager to be able to travel the world and you know play in all these kind of countries and meet people in latin america or north america or japan india it's still a bit surreal to me and i have you know especially since we 
in the in the first years it was kind of hey let's go out there and have a wild party all the time you know that's <laughs> this is rock and roll that's what it's all about ain't it and uh but after a while it's become you know more and more important for me to appreciate the places we're visiting so, you know when going to mexico or the first time in japan or when we came to la texas whatever you know all these places you kind of just heard of it's like i want to see these places i want to kind of get an impression of the city before we go and play so sometimes you get an hour sometimes you get five hours but just to go out and explore these things i really miss that so so much yeah just little things like that kind of just come back in your head I'm, i don't know what, what was it like before the pa- pandemic for you but i was at a show every week and maybe almost every other day and now yeah. it's been what uh, almost we're almost a year removed for the whole experience now yeah. I'm, I'm i'm curious to get your take on this because you set this up for me perfectly you guys also did a uh, a concert called into the mountains of song metal which took place back in june 2020 and this was viewed by over 140,000 people from more than 40 countries what was that like? And and walk me through that, your your experience through that. And do you see bands doing something like live streaming even after all this is over? Uh, I, I think live streams have come to, to stay. Yes, I do, uh, if they are interesting enough. Uh, so I think it can be still a supplement to what you do. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, the whole thing was, okay, like every other band, we were prepped, ready, go out, do a lot of shows that summer, everything's off. And then you, then you kind of just have this urge, but you still want to perform. Um, so the first idea was to, okay, let's rent one of the cool uh, concert halls in Oslo, in Norway. Let's do a full show. And I was like, well, there's no one there. You know, there's no one going to be there. So then we decided, why not just do something completely other, you know? Yeah. And uh, we decided, what are we most known for? Where do we want to play? If there's no audience, we can decide and we doesn't have to think about logistics and stuff like that. And it's like, hey back in our home place, our mountain cabin, you know, where I spend a lot of time, make uh, ideas, create riffs and where I like to stay. And then people can actually see this world. So we decided, let's just give it a go and see what happens. Uh, but I have to say I was really overwhelmed with the response, you know, because I didn't know what to expect at all. You know, if 10, 20,000 people would have seen this on uh, this stream, I think it would have been amazing. But the number we got was just crazy. And I think, it was, of course, we got a lot of help from the industry. People, you know, everything from media festivals helped us share it. And that kind of shows the brotherhood of metal and rock and roll that's out there. And also, I think that people appreciated seeing something, you know, stripped down, really honest and uh, yeah. attempt to try and do something in a really shitty time. Yeah. And speaking of this really shitty time, you know, uh, putting out something like what you guys did, it's. I mean, we need more of that, you know? I mean, as far as like just bringing the music to the people, I remember when we had Anders from Cadaver on the show and he was talking about his experience on, uh, he, they set up the Ad Hoc Festival. I don't know if you knew about this. Yeah, yeah, I heard um, about yeah, that. Yeah, and, and I, I, I got to see a glimpse of it, you know, from, from what they put out, the footage and just the turnout. I mean, there were people there, but it was very, you know, social distancing and stuff like that. But you mm-hmm. saw how much people missed the music because... Uh, playing the music that you have it's about the live experience i think i think as far as a live experience is concerned it's a genre of what we're a part of the heavy music the dark side of music that actually gives us the presence the most it's the live feeling and i'm glad yeah. you guys did that so I, I, i'm it, there's always that point of uncertainty what it is going forward of course i can mosh in my own room if i want to but once you, <laughs> once you do the live streaming 
you know, how much more creative can you get? Because I've had artists who say, yeah, I would love to do live streaming. It still gives me a chance to engage with my fans. And some of them would say, uh, I'm not doing shit until all this mm -hmm. is over. So uh, you had the perfect answer. There's no right or wrong answer to this because there's all that, like I said, that uncertainty going forward. And you guys are doing that, giving the music to the people. So I'm glad you did that. I I'm, I'm glad I was able to actually know about the process of what you guys went through and making something like this. Maybe something in the future could happen, uh, something similar, even after oh, all this is over, you know? You know, I think that uh, for a band like us that likes to do more, you know, conceptual thing and, you know, do some weird things, uh, we, we will find new new ways and uh, new setups and stuff like that. And I, you know, I think it's, I understand bands that don't want to do it, but I think, you know, I still appreciate when bands do it. Uh, so Behemoth had a great live stream. Yeah. Uh, uh, when even like the big ones when kiss did a new year's eve uh, in uh in dubai it was oh I yeah was <laughs> i almost like, forgot about that <laughs> i was kind of you know, stuck at home at new year's eve and there wasn't much much you can do and both my kids are huge kiss fans and you know we just gathered up the whole family and had a dinner and we kind of watched that kiss show and it was just like the whole family was just sitting there realizing uh, damn how much we missed this you know it was like yeah only two years ago no i know a year previous that we went to a kiss show and saw it you know it was like yeah we'll come back so i think it's it's really cool when people bands attempt to do something and uh you know it's a free world if you want to watch it fine and if not don't <laughs> yeah definitely and uh <laughs> you put the perfect perfect example out there um now i want to ask about this because this is actually pretty amazing uh, you guys launched your own beer is that correct throughout uh, over the pandemic which turned out to be the biggest success of the Boulder Brewery. Is that correct? Yes. It was, yeah. Uh, when, when did that idea come to the surface for you? Something like that. <clears throat> well, it's like we love hard rock and metal and we love beer. Let's make a hard rock metal beer. <laughs> it's like, why, why did we use 30 years to come up with that idea? It's like, come on. It was a given. No, uh, it's uh, actually also a guitar player, uh, Stian. Okay. He's been brewing a beer for so many years. So, you know, we see some bands have put out their own beer. We, like some, we kind of uh, had our talk with the local Balder Brewery and, and they said, you're welcome to it. And Stian went to the place. So he actually did a brewing himself and uh, together with the people there. So it's it's a beer made by Vride 100%. And, you know, it's something, uh, I think it's a cool thing that's able to do. And when you also see that so many people appreciate it and it's a good thing for the brewery and everyone, then it's, yeah, it's a win-win situation. So we're going to continue with that. More beer. And people who don't know, uh, the first batches were sold out immediately. And uh, something I want to add, because this podcast will actually be heard around the world. Where can people can people order your brewery? Like if they're in the region, I don't know if you can ship uh, to different parts of the world. That's probably not available yet. Is that as of now, it's only available in Norway. So there's in a quite a few stores here. And it's, of course, okay. from the brewery. But then when it comes to alcohol and export and all the stuff. Mm, yeah, that, that's that, true insane so and i don't know the beer prices in Norway is like the same as a six pack for one beer in the states so it's like yeah uh, i think in order to us for to sell it elsewhere we really need uh, to license it and set up a partner elsewhere because you know even uh, that's not uh, or else it's going to ruin yeah yeah breaking that, that beer. <laughs> totally understand that's a whole different discussion for we talk about that but hey yeah Come back to Dallas, bring a batch with you, man. Anyone in the States want to license our beer and brew it? Come on, we are into it. You know, we'll be lovely. <laughs> hey, I actually know the owner of Gas Monkey. And uh, so I don't know yeah. if we stay in touch, I, I'll, I'll definitely help you guys. At least I'll definitely help you guys book a show here. But I, I can definitely look into something like that for 
for would right. Also, I mean, that'd be so more, amazing. More, more beer to the people. That's our hey, message. Hey, more beer, more more metal, right? That's that's the goal. So we're doing right. that. Um, now, <laughs> I know we talked about everything from head to toe. Let's talk about the ninth album, Wild Northwest. Comes out April 30th on Season of Mist. Now, uh, good God, uh, follow-up to the 2018's Life Hunger. This is quite the follow-up. Now, you can talk about how black and roll is the most common genre to describe your music in the Norwegian black metal scene, but it's just so much more than just that. Because to me, when I heard this album, it was just the perfect blend of heavy and the melodic side of variety. You can also tie, tie it into the 70s and 80s classic heavy metal rock with your prominent Nordic atmospheric tone as well. Everything just came together all at one. And of course, reminding me of bands like Vindir, you know, in, Enslaved, Camp Far. I'll even throw uh, Bathory and Immortal in there um, from songs like the title track, uh, The Morning Red, to Spice of God, to Shadowland. This had such a unique take to add to your impressive catalog. And it's, it's as good as it gets. So let me ask you this. I want to round out this question. How much did things change from when you first started composing on Wild Northwest to where you ended up finishing it did a lot change in between did nothing change in between was there already a specific sound you guys knew you wanted with this album it's there was, there was it was a long process but it came clear to me quite early that i you know i felt that hey this this time just all the puzzles fall into place you know it was quite mm. an easy process in that sense because it's Sometimes it's a struggle, you know, it's like you're working really hard and you know, back and forth and toss back ideas. Here it was just like, this work with this, this work with this. I, you know, I, I had a quite clear vision in February or March already of how I wanted the album to be. And then I worked on it for a couple of months, but it just, it was this kind of strange process that some, sometimes it's just fall naturally and into place. And mm. it was such a good feeling to work with it. Uh, but of course, when we started with the whole movie aspect of the project as well, that made me kind of do some small changes, do some arrangements, uh, changes and stuff like that. So it was an ongoing process. And I'm fairly confident that the whole making of the movie aspect also kind of changed and made the album even stronger because it's something different when you also kind of see visuals to your music, when it's got a soundtrack feeling, then you kind of want to add more things or distract things and stuff like that. So in that sense, it was, we have never spent so much time on a project at all. It was like kind of the time that we, three, four five times what we normally do, but we had a lot of time on our hands as many people in 2020 and, you know, kind of approaching it from a different angle with the movie and everything just made things click, I think, you know, and I, have such a good good feeling and still have you know after everything's finished it's like it's you know this happens once in a while with your albums that you i'm happy with all the albums of course but sometimes they feel more special than the others yeah i, I don't know if you can see the look on my face i'm because i was really excited as you were talking about the film aspect i went to film school for three years so knowing that you guys did it the way you you did it i got i mean i got chills down my spine now uh how we talked about it serving as a companion piece to, to movie this album you guys have created uh of the same name it's, it's stringing together the music videos of each song as it tells the story and you said it yourself this became the most creative adventure i have ever worked on so let's talk about movie producer havard nesbo who produced your live stream what was it like working with someone like him making this creation come to life well, if Hovard hadn't been a part of it, we couldn't have done it. It's as simple mm. as that because he's um, 
as I said, we've been working with him a couple of years. He did some lyric videos and, you know, photo shoots uh, before with us. And and uh, then we had a plan to do like two or three music videos for this album. But then we started working on the live stream and, uh, and I had got such a good connection with him. I felt like I could just say whatever I want and he could ma make it happen. And uh, so he more or less became like a member of the band for a period. He was kind of, I tossed out these, he gave me, you know, feedback. He said, you can do this, but this is impossible. And, you know, it's like, we don't have the, we don't have the budget of David Lynch here. So take it easy. You know, it's like, <laughs> he was kind of putting things into context and what's uh, realistic and not, but still, you know, I, it's done on a very, very small budget. It's all invested by the band. It's all done by Austin Hovar. And I felt like yeah. what he's done on this kind of level is amazing but this, this kind of uh, requires a total dedication that you find from a true artist if we were kind of just renting a company let's do a music video or a movie it's like yeah it wouldn't be realistic at all he's, he's been working blood sweat and tears and you know then um then it's then it's easy for us to work um man i don't know if you have i don't know if you can tell me this or not do you guys have like kind of, kind of like a timeline on when the music videos are going to be released yeah, it's, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so it's like, uh, yeah, the, um, there's a new song coming out quite soon, and there's going to be four singles out actually this time. Uh, and uh, then, the, yeah, the whole movies will be out in a big streaming event in uh, on the 29th of April. Here's the deal I have a theater inside my in the other part of my house, so I'm gonna make sure to string all this together when this all comes out because this is gonna be, I'm, I can't wait to just to see this entire thing unfold in front of me yeah, i'm really glad to hear that and of course we want to share it with this with everyone it's yeah. going to be on, on dvds and stuff like that included with the vinyl release and all that kind of thing and but today you know the, the world is the way it is for me it's most important that everyone can access it so we will put it up the day before uh, the album is out and it's going to be uh, hopefully on like facebook live and uh, youtube live and you know as, as many platforms as possible and we just want people everywhere to attend and see it you know that's that's our goal you know we want don't want to keep it yeah hidden or on a paid platform we put it out there it's free for everyone to see if people want to donate something through you know paypal or stuff like that fine we of course appreciate that but still the main thing for us you know enjoy it see it and uh, yeah yeah, and uh, I want to throw uh, a couple more names at you. Please let me know if I'm butchering them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Anders Nordingen, uh, Hale Gay Benson, and Tony Lindgren. Uh, yeah. They all took a part in, you know, producing, mixing, and engineering. And you also had a part in that as well. Uh, what was it like working with them? I'm so I'm sure there was some kind of comfortability for you, Yarley, in the studio, knowing that you had the assistance of those guys working on the album with you, right? Oh, absolutely, and. Um... Uh, it's been a bit back, a bit back and forth, but you know, ever since we did the Milorg uh, album, I've been kind of been recording a lot in my own studio and mixing and producing. But I, I, I love to bring in other people, you know, to you know, to just get um, another aspect of things and also kind of just get the best possible quality. And with Anders, he is running a great studio in Oslo, but he's kind of more working with rock and roll, not much metal at all, but like the big Norwegian rock bands. So. Yeah. So we set up in a big studio, we did all the drums, acoustic there, we did uh, all the guitars and, uh, you know, they were recorded in a session, more, more or less like a live session with uh, the three other guys while I was sitting there listening in and complaining. <laughs> so, <laughs> someone's uh, got to be complaining. I think that's yeah, how it yes, works. I, I know what it's like when uh, recording an album, you got to have someone there to like oh, push yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> 
so, so, no, so I, I didn't play together with them. That, then I went back to my own studio with all these tracks and I did the uh, keys, I did bass, guitars. So we did all the vocals in my studio and stuff like that. And Helge, our front of house guy that we use on tour, helped me out with a lot of stuff and I had inputs. And then I did the final mixing here. And um, after that, it was off to Sweden, Fascination Street for mastering, did a tremendous job. So it was, again, I have to say, it's not like it's not been a lot of work. It's been shitloads of work, but it's actually been a process flowing quite good. And you know, it's again I have to say that this feeling of not stressing anything just it's been flowing yeah naturally, and it, that's such a good feeling when you work with music. Oh man, I can actually relate to that wholeheartedly. Like the less stress and the more people you have who can actually share the vision with you. Yeah. I mean, that's easier said than done, and you have done that now. Uh, this is something I'm excited to talk about because the lyricism surrounding Vride's music mostly involves, you know, coldness and darkness and evil and war and World War II era in Norway. Of course, uh, you talk about Milora because it talks about a lot about that. But like you said, this time around, we have a concept album and a film with Wild Northwest, which is, uh, for the listeners who don't know, a story about life itself and its eternal shadow, death. Uh, it's built around the world of a fictional character named E, if I'm correct. And... Mm -hmm. But it's also inspired by your own life, Yarla, you know, your band's life and the course of the historical events and many tales that have inspired you over the years, um, you know, especially with the title track that came out in the morning red, like I mentioned before. So let me ask you this. To what level do you like to have a theme for your music and how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you write or sound or is that more for the audience? Hmm. Loaded question, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Uh, yeah, where to start to answer that? <laughs> it's uh, for me, it's like because you did it something differently this time around, which is just like I said, unique. That's I wish yeah. there was a better word for that because it's so be so far beyond that. Yeah, I think you know I, I, when when I start on a process, I I'm very as I, I try not to put too much on pressure or let's oh let's do something spectacular that never seen or whatever you know I, I just kind of start working and when you kind mm. of lower your shoulder like that and go into the material itself and just push that you know that, that's what I love when I when I work with words or a bit riffs or mixing whatever you know that's that's when I, what can I when I can be 100% there and don't really care about the the, how is this seen or how it's viewed or how is this presented whenever when I can just work, work silently in that little world you know then that's the best thing and I've felt like this with the album you know and as I said it it's inspired by a lot of events that uh, I've seen and heard about but also things I've experienced myself you know so I, when you can kind of put in that kind of personal touch to it it goes so much easier rather than just writing about something or a concept that you've seen or heard about or whatever you kind of put your little twist into it that's kind of the gate gate opener for me you know then you found the key then it's you know you can write about anything because then it's something that you really care about do you see wild northwest as a snapshot of where you are in a certain time in your life looking back oh yes i think so because uh I couldn't have done this story three years ago. Maybe this story wouldn't make sense five years from now. I don't know. So it's very much a result of my time now, what I've gone through, where I am at, uh, and what kind of what state of mind I am at uh, at this time. You know. So it's like I feel that uh, most of the albums is kind of uh, yeah a Snapchat of your uh, state of mind, your life at that time, and that's very much the case with the Wild Northwest. 
you know, from the different experiences and perspectives in your timeline that you have taken and what you've discussed about so far, you know, whether it's, you know, with Ride rising from the ashes of Vindir, the tragic loss of Valfar, you know, may he rest in peace and touring the world for that matter. Like I said, I mentioned before 500 shows over over 500 shows in 25 countries and playing for as long as you have and the people you've worked with. And it sounds like you still have much left to put out there with your artistic vision. This is definitely something you have a passion for and you've experienced plenty already in your career, Yarly. So have your aspirations as a person or even a band, have they changed or evolved since when you first started playing music in the industry? Like, do you see things differently today? I try not to. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the key. I think I try not to. That's, of course, thing changes. And, and I, as a person, have changed a lot, uh, as most people do during 25, 30 years. So it's like, but I try to kind of have the same fan of heavy rock feeling going, you know, because whenever I picked up a guitar, it was because, uh, you know, I was fascinated from the start with Alice Cooper and Metallica and that, and I, Alice Cooper and Kiss and their, you know, their world. Then came Metallica, three years just listening over and over with the first four albums. And then came Chuck Schuldiner with Death, you know, then oh, I man. started yeah. writing lyrics myself. I think he's the most important you know, lyricist of uh, metal when it comes to, to my inspiration. So I think he was the way way he developed from album to album and always, but still it was kind of a death identity. I think it's amazing. So th th this kind of journey shaped me as uh, an artist myself. And I still all, always want to go back there, you know, to do that. And in many ways, of course, we are a band with our own identity and it's been so many albums and stuff like that, but I still feel like I'm such a huge fan. I, I want to celebrate the world of heavy, you know. That's what I always want to do with the album. And, uh, you know, if you if you still have that aspect, then it kind of yeah, always feel good to work with it, you know. And then you don't think of this as a business or a band or what you have to do. It's like the creative world and then you have to just deal with the bullshit when it's there and leave it behind. Yeah, I think it's easy to lose track of yourself. I think it's easy to say that like when you're when you're on the straight path and being successful and putting all this work out you have, I think it's important to just, you know, push everything back and just kind of just exhale and look at it from the outside before you go back in and do what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I, I think so too that is and you have to learn more and more to actually enjoy it while we're doing it, you know, because yeah. I think earlier in my, you know, early 20s and and the beginning, beginning of career you were kind of more rushing it. You want to do everything and you need to do it, you need to need do it, and you think everyone's expecting this and that, and we have to deliver. And these days it's like just, you know, when we're ready, we put it out. We go pl play live live shows when we want to, when we can, and it's something that we appreciate. The moment it becomes a stress factor in your life, it's something that you need to pay your bill or whatever. It's like mm -hmm. it takes a bit of the charm out of everything. So we we talked about this within the band many years ago. Do we always, you know? We also have other things in our lives that can keep us going and we have families and we works and stuff like that. But variety should be something precious. There's something we always should go into with uh, with a feeling of wanting to do it, not having to do it. Yeah. And uh, let's put the charm back in it by listening to your new album, because it's like I said, it's a work of art. Like I said before, I'll never stop saying that about the things that you guys do. I mean, if it wasn't for the music you guys put out, I wouldn't be here today. So much appreciation to you for everything you've done in your career. Um, uh, like I said, let's stay in touch. You got to bring over the, the beer over here in uh, the States oh, and to see you <laughs> here live at the Gas Monkey. Yeah, like I said, I'll, I will help you guys book a show here. We'll get things going here as soon as possible once all this craziness is over. But, um, Yarley, this has been 
It's such an honor. Do you have any last words, any shout outs, anything you'd like to plug in as far as Bride or Wild Northwest going forward? I know you got, uh, you talked about that new music video that's coming out soon. Is well, that- uh, you know, I want to say to everyone, just kind of stay calm, stay safe. You know, it's it will go over. And sooner, you know, sooner than we actually know, we will be back on it. You know, it, and this will just feel like a fucked up, uh, weird dream in our life. And I hope that in 22, we're back in the States, do some shows again. I would love to return. I think on the 2019 tour we had with Kalma, it's the best tour we ever had in the States. So, you know, to get back there, play shows. I can't believe I missed that show. Yeah. I'm just replaying that back in my head. Anyway, go ahead. Show a movie, you know, bring out our beer, have a good time. I will, yeah, I can't, I can't wait. So, you know, and for now, I will just tell everyone, make 29th of April available. That day we're going to premiere the entire movie. So yeah, hopefully enjoy it. And everyone who's listening, if you can buy the album, please do, because the bands can't do it without the help. Um, I still buy records. That's in the corner of my room. It's been it's been building up this entire pandemic. So um, I'll be sure to do that as well. And everyone who's listening again, this is Yarley from Vride. Wild Northwest comes out April 30th on Season of Mist Records. You can listen to this podcast on interviewandfire.com and on every major podcast stream out there. Yarla, you stay safe, man. Uh, This has been such a pleasure. We'll stay in touch, and I will see you in Dallas as soon as possible, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for your great interest. And yes, Dallas next. Sounds great. All right, man. You stay safe. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade. That's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.com.